Now, as, as we dive into our sermon today, I, I have a question for you. Do you ever feel like what you do doesn't matter very much? Um, have you ever seen one of those uh, Russian dolls? They're called stacking dolls, where, where you open one up and then there's another one inside. And you open one up and there's another one inside and, and, and you keep going. Uh, it feels like that right now, doesn't it? It feels like, you know, just when you think you're getting to the end of something, you open it up and you see that there's, that there's something else. I heard one pastor describe it this way, uh, that when March kicked in and, and we went into quarantine, he thought he was in a sprint. Right? And then he discovered he was actually running a marathon. And then when he thought he was getting toward the end of the marathon, it was like somebody gave him a bike and said, oh yeah, now you need to, to ride 30 miles. And then after that, you're going to have to swim. And he said, what I thought was a sprint ended up not just being a marathon, it ended up being a triathlon. And he goes, and now I'm not even sure that that's over either. And so in these times that we live in, and, and I might add, in these times that God has specifically placed us in, it's really easy to let this be your response multiple times a day, and it's this, whatever, right? Kind of that meh, whatever. Now, this response doesn't just describe some moody teenager's disposition, right? It captures this attitude that you and I can have when we feel like what we do doesn't matter, that we feel like what we do doesn't make any difference. Now, I'm going to tell you too, like this message, uh, when I started preparing this message last week and wrote this message, it, it sounded really good in my head. I, I want you to know that God has used His Word and God has used even my own words in writing it to, to bring hope to me when I feel this way. Uh, in, in talking to other pastors, one of the recurring themes that I hear and one of the things that's going on in my own heart lately is the fact that we are all, and, and this is probably true for you too, but, 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 but for the pastors that I've talked to and for me in particular, it's that we are working more hours than really we've ever worked before. It is, it is, it is you know, it's crazy the amount of work that we're doing, and yet we also feel less productive than we ever have before, right? A lot of the pastors, your pastor, me, feels like a lot of times what I do doesn't really matter. And so maybe this can be our question today, is this, what do we do? What do you do? What do I do when we feel like what we do doesn't matter? Now, if you're asking this question today, and this is resonating with you too, I really hope today's sermon uh, brings hope to you. Um, because we're going to see a truth today. And what's interesting about this truth is that, is that it's going to take what we do and separate it from success and failure. It's going to take what we do and separate it even from impact and influence. And, and it's going to take what we do and give what we do this, this eternal, deep value. And so I hope that this brings you hope today. Because I tell you, even this morning as I, was, as I was practicing this and as I was going over it, the Holy Spirit used it to give me hope. And so I, I, I pray that that happens for you too. Now we're going to be in Revelation chapter 20. And in these 15 verses, uh, they are the most probably debated 15 verses of this entire book of Revelation. Because they deal with something that's known as the millennium. 
And millennium is Latin for 1,000 because what we're going to see here is we're going to see 1,000 years. And, and there's different ways that people have looked at this 1,000 years. Some people look at it literally and say that, that this is going to be a literal 1,000 years. And, and if that's you, you're probably in the camp that's called pre-millennialist. And then there are those that look at this thousand years as something that's symbolic and figurative. And, and if you're in that camp, you, you probably, you're probably in the amillennialist camp. And, and here's the deal about both of those camps. Both of those camps have very godly, smart people in them, right? And, and I hope this doesn't disappoint you, but we're not going to talk about that today. We're not going to talk about, are we premillennialists or are we all-millennialists? I can't even hardly say it, right? But what we're going to talk about is something that's a little bit broader than that. Because, Because remember, our focus as we've been going through Revelation has been this. Remember, we've been taking this position that Revelation isn't so we can predict the future. Revelation shows us how to respond when the future happens. And so as we go through this chapter, this, this most debated chapter of the book of Revelation, this one that, that, that if you've been in church for a while, you, you're coming to this sermon with, with already thoughts and ideas. What we're going to be looking for, though, is we're going to be looking for a response, right? And we're going to see a better response than this attitude of whatever. We're going we're gonna to see a better response than this attitude of, of what I do doesn't matter. Well, let's dive in and see what this chapter has for us. Let's look at Revelation chapter 20, verse 1. It says this. It says, And then I saw an angel coming down from heaven, holding in his hand the key to the bottomless pit and a great chain. And he seized the dragon, that ancient serpent, who is the devil, Satan, and bound him for a thousand years and threw him into the pit and shut it up and sealed it over him so that he might not deceive the nations any longer. Now, in this previous sermon, uh, you might remember, speaking of marathons, it was a marathon of a sermon, 40-something minutes, and we covered four chapters of Revelation. But what we saw in that sermon is we saw judgment come upon this government and upon this false religion uh, that, that is, is right in front of Satan, that Satan is using to, to oppose the work of God. And then we saw judgment even fall on the lie that, that fuels those, that government and that false religion and that lie that I am a better God than the God that we worship. Well, here we see judgment coming to Satan. Now, it's interesting. This, this whole letter, you see Satan behind all these things. And, 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 and we know that, that he's the one that's behind all this. He's behind the lie that's, that's behind the government, that's behind the false religion. It, it, it's Satan. And this whole letter has been exposing how Satan works and how he comes against the people of God. It even builds up to this great war that, that a lot of people call Armageddon. And, and here we see God bind Satan, right? What's interesting about this is how easily it happened, right? That God didn't need an army to bind Satan. He needed an angel, which by the way means messenger. So he needed a messenger with a key and a chain, and that's all he needed. That's how powerful our God is. Now, now something uh, I'm going to tell you about me that you may not know. And for some of you, as I tell you this, um, you're going to think a little bit less of me. For some of you, as I tell you this, you're going to think a little bit more of me. So, so that's okay. But, but, but here it is. Uh, I am a fan of Masterpiece on PBS. Right? Sunday night, masterpiece on PBS. I love a good British drama. And, and I tell you what, give me a historical period piece British drama and I am hooked. Right? 
Now, when I say I'm a fan, here's what I mean by I'm a fan. Not only do I watch Masterpiece on, on Sunday nights or we record it and watch it whenever, I also subscribe to the Masterpiece podcast and listen to that. And I listen to the writers and I listen to the, to the actors and, and, and their perspective on the shows and stuff. And I, and I tell you all this to tell you about something that I heard on one of the Masterpiece podcasts. They were talking about a show called Victoria, which is a show highlighting uh, Queen Victoria. And Jenna Coleman plays Victoria. Jenna Coleman is also one of my favorite companions of Doctor Who. See, I told you I was like this British TV nerd. Uh, but she plays Queen Victoria. And they were talking about one of the lines in the script. And, and, and so Queen Victoria and her sister didn't get along very well. And, and, and there's a scene where they're in the room together. And Queen Victoria, it was time for her sister to leave, right? And, and instead, of, instead of Queen Victoria telling her sister to leave, the script says this. It says that, that Jenna Coleman, Queen Victoria, that she vanquished her with the rise of an eyebrow. Right? That all she did is look at her sister, raise an eyebrow, and her sister knew it was time to leave the room. Y'all, that is power. Right? Now, now, try this at home. Siblings, try this with your brother or sister, right? When you get tired of them, raise your eyebrow and see what happens. See, see how much power you have. I'll go ahead and give you a little helpful tip. You don't have that kind of power. Right? You can try it, but you don't have that kind of power. But here we see that God does. He essentially, he essentially chains and binds Satan with the rise of an eyebrow. He just sends a, a messenger to do it. That's how powerful God is. And look how long Satan is bound. In the rest of verse 3, it says this. It says, it says, until the thousand years were ended. That's that millennium, right? That's the thousand years. But look at this. After it's ended, it says, and after that, he must be released for a little while. And so, so Satan will be bound for that thousand years, and then he will be released. And so, so just to kind of give you the, the, the timeline here is that there's this, this opposition from Satan against God and his people. And, and that's a time of tribulation, right? And it's intense opposition for those who follow Jesus. Then Satan's going to be bound for a thousand years, and then he'll be released again. Well, what happens next? Let's keep watching and look and see what John sees in this vision. In verse 4, it says this, And then I saw the thrones, and seated on them were those with whom authority to judge was committed. Uh, and I also saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for the testimony of Jesus and for the word of God, and those who had not worshipped the beast or its image and had not received its mark on their foreheads or their hands, they came to life and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. And so if you remember, uh, this was a few messages back, we see them, they're called the martyrs, and we see them in the throne room and they're under the altar and they're saying, how long, O Lord, until their death is, is vindicated? Well, well, what happens here is John goes from seeing Satan bound to seeing them, to seeing those who stayed faithful to following Jesus during this time of intense oppression. And, and it was so intense, they didn't even let death stop them from their commitment and their faithfulness to Jesus. They, they never denied their Savior. Now here, John sees them alive, and he sees them resurrected. Now not only are they alive, they are working with and reigning with Jesus. And so, so they are, are with him. And, and so you see, y'all, this powerful God that can vanquish Satan, right, by sending a messenger to do it. He knows exactly what he is doing. 
This God is that powerful. He is in that much control. He knows exactly what he is doing. Now, if this thousand years is is literal or symbolic, it really doesn't make any difference because the result is the same. The result is we get to be with Jesus for all of eternity. Y'all, y'all, no matter how bad things get here, in eternity we will be with Jesus. Now John specifically sees those martyrs that, that, that during this time of oppression stayed faithful to, to Jesus. But this truth is still true for all of us who are followers of Jesus. One day, you will be with Jesus forever. No matter matter what you're going through today, no matter how hard today is, no matter what oppression you're facing, no matter what struggle you're facing, one day, you will be with Jesus forever. That same Jesus that, that if you're like me, you really struggle every day to know and experience. And, and some days that relationship is clear and vibrant, and some days it is cloudy and, and hard to hold on to. Well, one day it won't be that way. One day that relationship with Jesus will be in complete fullness. But here's the, the point of this passage, too, that we're going to see. That's not true for everyone. Let's, let's keep reading. In verse 5, it says, And the rest of the dead did not come to life until the thousand years were ended. And so those who aren't followers of Jesus, uh, their time hasn't come yet, but it's coming. Look at the rest of verse 5. It says this. Um, Let's see. This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy is the one who shares in the first resurrection. Over such the second death has no power, but they will be priests with God and of Christ, and they will reign with him for a thousand years. And so, so here John is saying that the people, that, that these martyrs that he saw and saw them raised, he's saying that's the first resurrection, which means there's more resurrections coming. It's the first one that he's seen. Now, this mention of a second death might jump out to you. We'll, we'll see that in just a minute. So, so hold on to that. Let's keep reading in verse 7. It says this, And when the thousand years are ended, Satan will be released from prison. So he's he's been bound for a thousand years and now he's released. So think about it like this. Satan's been in this really long time out, right? You would think some things would have gotten through his head and you would think some things that he would come to understand are just the way God's going to work. Not so much. Let's watch. Verse 8 says this. Well, let's back up to verse 7. It says, When the thousand years are ended, Satan will be released from his prison and will come out to deceive the nations that are at the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them for battle. Their number is like the sand of the sea. Now, there's some stuff here that you might get tripped up on, like Gog and Magog. And I'll just go ahead and explain that real quick. Who they are, they are a um, uh, reference to the book of Ezekiel. And, and they really represent the nations and the people that are opposed to God, right? And so that's what John's doing. Is he's, he's drawing from this reference to Ezekiel. But let's look at what Satan does here. Because what Satan does when he's released after this thousand years is what he has always done. And what he will always do, and that is to deceive. And so here's something that we need to understand about Satan, particularly when we feel like what we do doesn't matter, and it's this. Satan might be cunning. Satan may be coming, but he is not creative. 
right? Satan may be cunning, right? But he is not creative. He will deceive because that's what he does. And, and here's what happens. Through his deception, he will discourage the people of God. Anybody experiencing discouragement lately, right? That's one of the tools that Satan loves to use, and he uses deception to get you there, to, 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 to let you think that God doesn't love you and that God isn't with you and nobody's for you. Like, like that's what discourages you. He will discourage and he will divide. He will make you feel lonely. He will make you feel alone, even though you've got a ton of people that love you. If you're a part of this church, you have got a group of people that love you. You are not alone. He will divide he will keep you separate from other believers. He will distract you and, and, and distract you with good things instead of the thing that God wants you to do. He may distract you with bad things instead of the good things that God wants you to do. And, and, and he will depress the people of God. He will try and push us down. And he does all of that through one tool, and that is called deception. It's what he did with Adam and Eve, and it's what he has done ever since. And he leads people here to oppose God. He leads people to, to stand against God. And like I said, you'd think this thousand-year timeout would, would, would let him know that it's really not worth his effort to do that. Because remember, our God is an all-powerful God. And this scene is going to play out like something from Lord of the Rings, right? It's, he gathers this big army to come against God. Look at verse 9. It says, and they marched up over the broad plain of the earth and surrounded the camp of the saints and the beloved city. That beloved city is, is Jerusalem. And you can see it now. You can, you can see Satan's, Satan's people that want to oppose God and they're marching against this city as if they're going to overtake it and as if they're going to win. They want to defeat God's people. Y'all, let me ask you, how do you think this is going to turn out? Do you think God's going to raise the white flag and go, Satan, yeah, you finally won. You finally whittled me down. No. What we're going to see is we are going to see God vanquish Satan with just the raise of an eyebrow. Because watch what happens. The rest of verse 9 says this, But fire came down from heaven and consumed them. And the devil who had deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire and sulfur where the beast and the prophet were, and they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. Y'all, all it took to defeat Satan was God to send fire down from heaven. Not an army, not even an angel this time. God just took care of it. Y'all, this is awesome. That's how powerful our God is. But, and we could stop here. And man, it would be a great message. We'd go into a worship song. Hallelujah. Praise God. It'd be great. But the problem is, remember, we're looking for a response. This doesn't give us a response. We've seen a powerful God. We've seen a typical move by Satan. But what is our response? Now, remember, when I set up this question, this sermon a few minutes ago, I asked the question, what do you do when you feel like what you do doesn't matter? Well, let's, let's keep reading because we're going to see something. Verse 11 says this, And then, so after John saw Satan be defeated, and that government and that false prophet, and all everything is in the lake of fire, then, then John sees something else. He says, Then I saw a great white throne, and him who is seated on it, and from his presence, the earth and sky fled away, and no place was found for them. And so here John sees this throne, and it is this big, impressive throne. Now, he's seen a throne room before, 
right, where the elders were and the, and the beasts were, if you remember, I mean, the, 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 the angels were, and, and everybody was worshiping in this throne room. Well, here we see what's at the center of this throne room, and it's God, and it's God's throne, and it's big, and it is, it is strong, and it is white to show that it is, it is pure and just. This is the throne of God. And look who else shows up in verse 12. It says, and I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne. Now, remember, he said, you know, more people, he's seen the martyrs raised, but the dead weren't. That's what he just saw a minute ago. Well, now the dead are there. And this dead specifically means those who didn't follow Jesus, those who never said yes to Jesus. And we've seen the Jesus followers in this intense time reign with Christ. Well, now this is every other person after that thousand years, every other person is raised to life. Watch what happens in verse and the rest of verse 12. And the books were opened. And then another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged by what was written in the books according to what they had done. And the sea gave up the dead who were in it. Death and Hades gave up the dead who were in them. And they were judged, each one of them, according to what they had done. Now, if you read this, and, and, you, and you're a type person that loves to study your Bible and look for repeated words, what words do you see repeated here? You, you see the word judged repeated here, which is an indication that these are people who haven't said yes to Jesus. But then you also see this interesting phrase. You see, according to what they had done, repeated here. And it's repeated twice. Notice, too, that there are multiple books, right? The word is plural. There's multiple books, and then there's a singular book, the book of life. And we'll talk about the book of life in just a minute. But these multiple books, you see that when they're opened, what is in them is actions, right? What is in them is what people did are written down in these books. And John specifically sees those who hadn't said yes to Jesus, and he's seen heaven open up the books of what they did. And in seeing this, I think there's something that we need to pay attention to, particularly when we feel like what we do doesn't matter. And it's this, it's that your actions do matter. Whether you have said yes to Jesus or whether you haven't said yes to Jesus, your actions matter. Right? There are books in heaven where what you do is written down. And y'all, that is what we do even when we don't feel like it doesn't, even when we feel like it doesn't matter. Those actions are written down to be seen later. Now, before you read ahead, let's go ahead and jump to the next verses. Look at, look at verse 14 and 15 as this chapter ends. It says, Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. And this is the second death. Remember I said we'd come back to it. The, the lake of fire. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. And so here we see what this book of life is, right? We have these books that were opened that are full of actions and, then, and, and, and things that we do and don't do. And then we have this book of life. And in this book of life, apparently there are names written in it. And for those who didn't have their name written in it, they don't get eternity with Jesus. They get the same judgment that Satan got, that this government got, that this, that this false religion got, they get thrown into the lake of fire. That's what that second death is. Because they've already died once, right? And then they were resurrected, and then they get thrown into this lake of fire. Interestingly, as you see how this unfolds, no matter how good their actions were, if they hadn't said yes to Jesus, we see where they end up, where they end up in that lake of fire. That those actions, no matter how many good actions there were in that book, it didn't matter. 
And so maybe, maybe for you, you might think your actions matter too much, right? You might think if you have enough good actions in those books that God will say, all right, you pass the test. You can come in. You might think that you can actually earn your ticket to that eternity with Jesus. We call that heaven. You think you might actually be able to do enough good things and not do enough bad things to earn that ticket. Well, guess what? You can't. There's only one action that matters more than all the others. And that's in that book of life. Is your name written in that book of life? Because that book of life, if you have said yes to Jesus, your name is there. That book is for those who have said yes to Jesus and his offer of salvation. And so maybe today is the day that you leave your actions behind you and pick up the one that matters the most. And that is saying yes to Jesus. And maybe today is the day that you say yes to him and his offer of salvation, believing that you can't earn that ticket to heaven. All you can do is say yes to Jesus. And today you start following him in his ways. Because here's what happens when you do. You get that eternity with Jesus. I was talking to a guy uh, a couple of weeks ago who had this, this dream or this vision uh, of him being before this, this book of life and him saying his name and hearing from heaven, well done, good and faithful servant, and being ushered into heaven simply because his name was written in that book. And so maybe today's the day for you to experience that. Now, many of us already have. We've already said yes to Jesus, and we know that our name is written in the book of life. And let me tell you a way that Satan will deceive you, right? He will deceive you to tell you that actually your actions don't matter, right? Because you have salvation. That is true. Your actions don't matter for salvation, but your actions still matter, right? Because those book of actions, John sees them opened up for those who haven't said yes to Jesus. There's another New Testament writer that, that lets us know that actually those book of actions will still be for those of us who have said yes to Jesus. And his name is Paul, and he talks about what's called the believer's judgment. Again, it's not for a judgment on salvation. That's already been secured in Christ. What happens to believers in the believer's judgment, the, 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 the theological term for this is called the Bema seat. And what happens here is that our actions are judged. Paul says this in 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 11 through 15 says this, For no one can lay any foundation other than the one that is already laid, which is Jesus Christ, that salvation. Right? And we can't, we, we can't build that foundation again. It's, it's Jesus's. That is secure. And if any man builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, straw, his, we, his work will be shown for what it is, because the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire, and fire will test the quality of each man's work. And if what he has built survives, he will receive his reward. If it's burned up, he will suffer loss. He himself will be saved, but only as one escaping through the flames. And this is the NIV translation. Now, here's what this means. Like I said, our salvation is secure in Jesus. And, 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 and most of the time, not all the time, but most of the time, Satan knows better than to tempt you to not believe that. But what he will deceive you in is that your actions don't matter. 
Well, this verse shows us um, that that is not true. Our actions do matter, that Christ is our foundation. And the actions that you build on that foundation are what matter. Do they build on that foundation or do they take away from it? Because if they take away from that foundation, they're going to be burned up. If they add to it, they're going to be rewarded. Now, notice what's not seen here, though. What's not seen is are those actions successful or are they a failure? Are those actions impactful, influential? Do those actions gain an audience? That's not on here. The simple actors, do those actions build on Jesus? Or do they take away from him? Do they build upon the foundation that he has built? Or do they take away from him? Because if they they built upon that foundation, they will be rewarded. If they take away from it, they will be burned up. And so what Paul is saying here, for those of us who have said yes to Jesus, is this, that your actions matter too. And it's it's, it's as if God does this. He opens up those books and takes all the actions that are there, right? All the actions of your life, the things you did, the things you didn't do, all of it there. And he goes like this, and he just blows on it. And everything that he blows on that isn't of him, that doesn't build upon the work that Jesus started, is blown away. And what's left is what's rewarded. And so church, what's, let me ask you, what's going to be left when God takes all of your actions? and Are you building upon the work that Jesus started? Because church, your actions matter. And so let's do this. Does does what you do when no one is watching matter? Yes. Yes. What's rewarded is what's left. Does, Does what you do with others matter? With your friends, when your friends want to do something that you know doesn't build upon Jesus' work, does it matter? Yes, it does. Does what you do at work matter? Yes, it does. Does what you say matter? Are your words, actions, they do matter. Kids, does what you do matter? One day, God's going to go like this, and we get to see what's left. It matters. Y'all, I'm going to get up in your business here just a little bit. Does what you post matter? Does it build upon the work of Jesus? One day, you're going to see. You're going to see what's rewarded and what matters. Does how you care for others matter? One day, we're going to see what's rewarded. And the rest is going to be blown away. So church, what we do matters. And so as a church, let's build upon that foundation that Jesus started. Let's love one another well. Let's love our neighbors well. Let's share the gospel. Let's, let's be disciple-making disciples well. Even when we feel like what we do doesn't matter, Let's do what builds upon that foundation that Jesus started. Now, if you want a deeper dive into this, uh, in, the, in one of the links on this video are questions to consider. I've put some questions there to kind of help you think through about what you do to determine, uh, does it build upon the foundation of, of Jesus or does it not? So if you want to do a deeper dive, uh, click on those and kind of work through that. And then part of it, too, is the challenge that when you realize some of the stuff that you do isn't building upon the foundation of Jesus, I ask 
you to, to find a trusted friend to confess that to and enter into a time of prayer with them and accountability. Because church, I want us to all do better, right? I want us to all realize that our actions matter. Under the umbrella of grace and the mercy and tenderness of God, our actions do matter. Let's pray. Jesus, um, I thank you for your gospel that gives us hope, that our salvation is secure. And when, when it's, as it says in the book of Galatians, we keep in step with the Spirit, Father, that's when we're building upon the foundation that you started. And so, Father, help us keep in step with you, because then we know we're doing, we're doing what you would have us to do. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.